If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. We've been doing a series uh, entitled Unprecedented, Unprecedented. We're going to continue that series today. Uh, The title of my message today is Changes. Changes. You know, uh, a lot of people are resistant to change. And uh, I don't know what's going through my wife's mind right now, but she's probably saying, yeah, preacher, you're one of them. So uh, I do have my areas where I'm resistant to change. Any of you have, some some of you will bail me out. Okay, good. You know, it's always been like that. You know, I... There, there's, a, there's a purported letter from Martin Van Buren, who was at the time governor of New York. Uh, some say it's not legitimate, but it was lamenting the rise of this newfangled thing called the railroad. And it was, and one line just said, you know, God never intended for us to go at the breakneck speed of 15 miles per hour. You know, it, it was just a change that you know, some say it wasn't a legitimate letter, but, but that was the attitude of many people toward something new, something different. You know, they don't like change. Um, and uh, in the chapter here we're going to look at, a man named Abram was about to experience some change. Uh, he was 99 years old. Um, it had been 24 years since he received God's promise and left the land of Ur. It had been 13 years since the last recorded uh, events in chapter 16. As far as we can tell, there's no record of God speaking to him during those years. Uh, You may remember when God promised he and his wife uh, Sarai at the time, her name was, a child in their old age, uh, Abraham took matters into his own hands. And and uh, conceived a, a, a child uh, by his wife's handmaiden, a child named Ishmael. And, uh, but that was Abraham's doing. God said, that's not the child I promised to you. And so <laughs> Abraham had done his own thing. You know, sometimes we try and help God along, don't we? And we kind of like to, to, to get our hands on things when we shouldn't. And we kind of want to arrange things. And uh, sometimes we make more of a mess of things than they were before. And can anybody relate to that? Uh, you know. And so that's what Abram had done. He had acted presumptuously. And he was living with the fruits of that. And God had told him, this, you know, this is not the child I promised to you, but I'm still going to fulfill my promise. And um, so God meets with Abram here in chapter 17, and he tells him about changes that are going to take place in his life. We, we said in our series, Unprecedented, uh, the, the very name of, of the series, the very word, suggests God doing something new, God doing something different. And so uh, many times what hinders the unprecedented that God wants to do is our resistance to change. Because we are creatures of habit, we like routines, we like to be comfortable, we don't like the apple cart upset, 
uh, do we? And so we're resistant to change and we find out that in order for God to do something new and unprecedented, he has to bring about change. Does that make sense? Is that logical? Of course it is. And yet we resist anyway, don't we? So uh, the question I want to answer for us in the next few minutes is what changes does God bring about in a life devoted to him? What changes does God bring about in a life devoted to him? If we want God to move, if we want God to do the unprecedented, we need to be open to the changes that he brings into our lives. What changes does God bring about in a life devoted to him? The first is that we enter into a new covenant. We enter into a covenant with him. In verses 1 and 2 of Genesis 17, it says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you. And in the following verses, we see several aspects to this covenant uh, between, that God established between himself and and Abram, and Abram at the time. And so uh, one aspect of this is the revelation of the covenant maker. The revelation of the covenant maker. God said, I am God Almighty. Uh, the, the, the phrase in the Hebrew translated into English, God Almighty, is El Shaddai, which essentially means the God who is sufficient. God is saying to Abram, I am the uh, sufficient God. I am the mighty God. Uh, in the very next chapter, chapter 18, God fixes the time of the arrival of the promised son uh, to Abram. And uh, it says here in, in Genesis 18, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. That's a, an interesting question, isn't it? Is anything too hard for God? We know the answer to that, don't we? The answer is no, nothing's too hard for God. And we say that and we're familiar with that concept, but when we think about it, it's pretty profound, isn't it? Because as self-sufficient as we may like to think of ourselves, we always have limitations, don't we? Of course we do. I don't care the most powerful, the most um, capable person on the planet is uh, bound by limitations, but we serve a God who is not. In Jeremiah 32, 17, it says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. So God reveals himself uh, in the covenant he makes uh, with Abram, with man. And then in verses 2 through 8, he shares the rewards for the one who keeps the covenant. A covenant is, of course, an agreement between two parties. Uh, and as I said, in this case, God is the initiator of the covenant. Uh, in, in, in verse 2, he says, I will make my covenant with you. I will multiply you. I will make you ex uh, fruitful, exceedingly fruitful. I will make of you many nations. I will establish my covenant with your descendants. I will give you and your descendants the land of Canaan, and I will be their God. You know, God promises things to us when we are faithful to him. When we uh, are, are faithful with him, when we keep our part of the covenant, how many know God always keeps his part? If we find ourselves, you know, having made a wrong turn, guess whose fault that isn't? You know, you, you, can, you can make a wrong turn and follow your GPS and make a wrong turn. 
You could say, man, that electronic gizmo, it let me down again. What's wrong with you, Apple Maps or Google Maps or whatever maps you follow? You, you can blame, because we certainly don't want to blame ourselves, right? <laughs> but when we, we end up in the wrong direction in life, guess what? We want, to, we want to similarly blame God. We can't do that. Because he's faithful when we keep our part of the bargain. Now, what are the requirements of a covenant people? All the males in Abram's home were to be circumcised. Uh, this uh, rite had a threefold significance. It was the covenant, of, the covenant of circumcision was symbolic of the work that God was wanting to do in their hearts. Um, the rite of circumcision was, of course, the cutting away of the most intimate part of the human body. This signifies that God wants to have access to the innermost areas of our hearts. And so this was a covenant sign. Now we're under the new covenant. It's, it's not a requirement in this day and age, but it was then. It was also illustrative of the blood that would be shed for all people in the future. We know that salvation has come through the shedding of blood. Uh, circumcision also illustrated the exclusiveness of God's people. Uh, people of surrounding nations who wanted to become part of the nation of Israel. Uh, they were known as proselytes and they had to submit, their males had to submit to the rite of circumcision. You see, there were aspects of covenant that needed to be kept. And we need to remember, we are in the new covenant, of course, purchased by the blood of Jesus. But nevertheless, we need to remember that we are in covenant with God. That's an awesome principle. I, I, I think of the illustration of marriage. You know, marriage is a covenant agreement between two people. And when you get married, you stand before a preacher and you make pledges to each other, right? You make promises that as long as you both shall live, you will be faithful to that spouse, you will love that spouse, and you will, you will uh, relate to him or her exclusively. You enter into a covenant. And how many know there can be some challenges to that commitment through life? Right? Hard times? Yes, my wife said it the loudest. <laughs> How many, any of you married couples, you ever have disagreements? No, some said no. God help you. Of course you do. There are challenges. And for many people, you know this, in our day and age, you know, the, 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 the covenant, the agreement together, it doesn't mean much. Marriages in our day and age, in our culture, are disposable. But God didn't intend for it to be that way, did he? He intended for it to be a lifelong covenant. And the covenant he makes with us is a lifelong covenant. We need to remember that our life is not our own. We've been bought with a price, the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? We belong to him. And, and the, the, the path, the agenda for our lives is not up to us. It's up to him. And, and, and one of the things that happens when we give our lives to Christ and when we renew that commitment, just like you renew marriage vows, when you renew that commitment, how many know our commitment to the Lord needs to be renewed for 
from time to time. How many know we need to reaffirm that we're committed to him, that we belong to him? Why? Because life happens. Because things happen. And because just like a, a, a marriage is, uh, the, the covenant of marriage is tested, so the covenant between us and between God is tested. I believe it's in order for us to renew the covenant that we've made with Almighty God or that he's made with us. Amen? And so we need to renew that covenant, that commitment. We need to remember we are in covenant with God. We do not belong to ourselves. And, and, and that, that brings changes about because I no longer uh, set the agenda, as I said, or the path for my life. It's set by him. And my responsibility is to stay in covenant with him. What a, what a privileged people we are that we are in covenant with the God of creation. You know, there are people that you and I rub shoulders with every day. They don't even know if God is there. They, 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 or, or, or if they do, they have some vague idea of who he is or he's one of a, of, a, of a host of gods. They don't know the God that we know. And yet we're here today. And we have the privilege of not only knowing him, but being in covenant with him. We know he's a God who keeps his word. He's a God who's faithful and he will perform everything that he's promised. Some of you are here today or watching online and you're still waiting on some of the promises of God. Let me tell you, you keep your part of the covenant with him and he will prove faithful. As long as it takes, he will prove faithful to keep his covenant promises. Amen? What's the second thing that happens in a life devoted to the Lord? We undergo a change in character. We undergo a change in character. Look at uh, verse, uh, chap uh, chapter 17, verse 5. The Lord says, no, uh, no longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. In antiquity, a person's name was indicative of his character or of that which his character was supposed to be. You know, not like now, we just pick pretty sounding names, you know, or a name after, you know, our great uncle or somebody or you know or great aunt but in that day names were indicative of a person's character or what his or her character was supposed to be abram meant exalted father and uh, imagine a man 99 years old who's childless and has the name exalted father it's almost as if his birth name mocked him but god changed his name from Abram to Abraham, which means father of many, giving him a new character and a new legacy. In Hebrew, the name Jehovah is formed by five vowels with the twice repeated um, uh, uh, the sound of the H. And so the word for spirit, uh, which means breath in Hebrew, is ruach. And what God did, in essence, is add part of his own name to the name of Abram. He became not just Abram, but Abraham. The, 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 the sound of the name of God was added to his name. You will, Abram, you, are, you will be the father of many. He changed his name. And what did that symbolize? A change in character. No longer, Abram, will you be the one whose name mocks uh, your childless state. But you are going to be the father of many. You are going to be the father of millions. In verses 15 and 16, it says, God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. 
I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. The name Sarai means contentious. Talk about arguments in the home. That speaks a lot about Abram and Sarai's home, doesn't it? Her name meant contentious. You know what Solomon said in Proverbs 21.9, it's better to live in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. I'm just reading the scripture, okay? <laughs> Solomon had a thousand wives, so he probably had a little insight into that. Sarai's name meant contentious. But God changed her name to Sarah, which means princess. In the New Testament, when she is referred to, she's never referred to as Sarai, contentious. She's always referred to by her new name, Sarah. And her new name signified her new character. No longer would she be known as being contentious. She would now be known as a princess. And as Peter said in 1 Peter 3, 4, Sarah learned to develop a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. She was not naturally this way, but she learned by God's grace to be that way. Now, when, when, when we uh, enter into covenant with God, our, our given name may not be changed. But let me tell you something. God does a great change in our character. God changes who we were. God is very concerned about character. Paul Powell said, God is more concerned about our character than our comfort. His goal is not to pamper us physically, but to perfect us spiritually. Remember later in the New Testament, God changed the name of Jacob. You remember what Jacob meant? It meant deceiver. And we know that that was his character because he deceived his father, he deceived his brother into stealing and stole his birthright. He changed his name to Israel, which means he struggles with God because we know Jacob wrestled with the Lord. And I love this. He changed the name of Simon, which means a stone or a pebble. He changed it to Peter, which means a rock. You look through the, you look through the Gospels at the story of Peter. Boy, uh, Peter gives hope for all of us who flubbed it, flubbed it up badly, doesn't he? He had what I like to call foot-in-mouth disease. Right? But God changed him to a mighty rock who won many uh, to, uh, to, to uh, the gospel by preaching the gospel. A change in character. You see, this world wants to peg us, and we even peg ourselves sometimes through the mistakes we've made. There was a baseball player, some of you might know him, he played for a lot of teams. His name was Bill Buckner. You ever hear of Bill Buckner? Some of you have if you're sports fans. And he was, he was on the Red Sox in 1986 in the 10th inning of World Series Game 6 against my New York Mets. It was one of the greatest nights of my life, by the way. Er, er, earthly speaking. But a critical, the Mets were behind by two runs. The Red Sox were going to win the World Series. And one thing led to another, and a, a, a little ground ball rolled up to first base, and it went through the legs of Bill Buckner into right field. The winning run came from second, scored. The Mets came from behind and won. They won game seven after that, won the World Series. Bill Buckner had an 18-year career uh, in the major leagues. He was a great ball player. 
great hitter, clutch hitter. He was, all his teammates, a great teammate. They said they wouldn't have been in the World Series without him. But do you know what Bill Buckner's known for? That ball rolling through his legs. Till the day he died, he was pegged. It's unfortunate because he was a great player, but that's what he's known for. And that's what this world wants to do to you and me. They want to, it wants to point out uh, your mistakes, your failures. You're the guy who did this. You're the lady who did this. You fell short here. You failed here. And that's who you are. You're a failure. You're no good. Uh, you're, you're no better than your mistakes. And we can tend to fall into that pattern of thinking, yeah, man, I've, I've just tried and I've failed. I've come short. I'll never get over it. God says nonsense. He says, I'm giving you a new character. I'm giving you a new name. That you were known as a failure. Now you're going to live in victory. You were known as, as always coming up short. Now you're going to be known as being successful. You, you, you just you were the, the one who could never get it right. And now you're going to get it right and, and, and you're going to be an example to other people. How many know God is in the business of changing our character? Don't let the world, don't let those around you, don't even let your own mind peg you with your mistakes and your shortcomings and your failures. That's what the enemy wants to do. Don't let him do a Bill Buckner on you because God has come into your life. If you're a child of God, he's given you a new name. He's given you a new character. And the character